hey there, it's Ali here. Thanks for checking in to create a thriving hypnotherapy business. This podcast is most definitely for you if you are a new or established hypnotherapist who wants to flourish in practice and stay in business. Just so you know, we have a growing Facebook community where you can go for support, for sanity and inspiration. Uh, if you have a look at the website, you can see all sorts of other stuff too. That's the Hypnotherapy Business Club. So check out the show notes for links. So for now though, let's get on with the show because today on the podcast, we are talking to one of my Bezzy mates um, and also who also happens to be a hypnotherapist. Um, yes, so it's very exciting. Today we're talking to uh, Claire Noel from Inspire to Change in Maidstone. And hi Claire. Hello, hello. <laughs> so it's so good. It feels really naughty talking to you. It's like it does. Doing? It feels like I'm cheating. It's not really. <laughs> this is good. So we had our little pre-talk, and I went, and we said, oh, you know, because I send like a, like a few like ideas through beforehand, and I was like, and we're like, I like tangents is fine. We welcome tangents, and swearing's okay. Um, I forgot to tell you the last thing, which is dogs barking is also, unless they go absolutely bonkers. Um, no, you're safe. She's yeah. up in the house, so oh, no, yeah. no crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So unless the dogs go bonkers, we snoring and bar- a little bit of barking's fine, um, because Claire and I both have small, fairly dippy dogs. Dippy <laughs> dogs. Yes, yes. So... Um, Claire, you do your introduction to you. Tell us about you and your current business before we do the backstory. Okay, so my current business, I work from home in my little cabin where I am now. I also work online like most of us these days. And as with most things, I run my practice working with people I want to work with, which is the lovely thing about being self-employed. But it tends to be a kind of niche corner of the world in that I work with um, additional needs people. So that could be neurodiverse in terms of having ADHD, potentially having autistic spectrum disorders or anything of that nature, but often teenagers who are kind of struggling to fit in. That seems to be a little patch that I've fallen into. But it's not just that. I also work with people with stress and anxiety, confidence anybody that's a bit stuck and wants to get back on track and Mm. the more motivated the better because that's the fun bit fabulous and do you but you also lecture and deliver I do yes so I do lecture at the weekends for CPHT in Kent in Essex and in Hertfordshire and then twice a year I deliver the neuroscience CPD continuing professional development as part of the advanced hypnotherapy diploma which is my chance to properly get my geek on and talk all things neuroscience. Oh yeah, by the way, FYI, Claire is a massive geek. Um, so which and unashamed and is Yes, proud heart, heartily encouraged by all who know her. Um, so you forgot to mention your satellite office, Claire. I think that's yes, real Yes, I do. The, the fabulous thing about being able to work online, thanks COVID, is that I can take my practice wherever I want. So I'm very lucky in that I have what I call my satellite office, my little caravan down by the sea in Cornwall. So once every couple of months, I take all my clients that want to online and ship them down there, which means that if I time it right, I can walk on the beach in between, which is a lovely thing to do. Yeah. I just thought I really wanted to kind of get that in because I think it's so nice to hear how people, you know, rather than us having a job where we have to kind of squish our life in around the edges, it's like they blend together 
So, you know, yeah, and I think you've blended together particularly well, actually. I think you've really kind of, you're really getting it because you're not just a hypnotherapist, are you? No, I'm also a pharmacist, which makes me somewhat of a rarity in the hypnotherapy world. As far as I know, I'm the only one at CPHT, but I could be, I'm sure there could be some more. But yes, I qualified as a pharmacist way back in 1992. So I've been working as a pharmacist ever since, but I just do one day a week now. Mm. Yeah, fabulous. So, you know, hence the reason why Claire's brilliant for neuroscience. Also, when we're teaching together, if we're ever allowed in the same room anymore, um, they've split us up because we're too chatty. Um, So (laughs) we have too much fun. Yeah, too much fun lecturing, isn't it? Um, Yeah, but we always go, you know, because if somebody comes in and goes, my client's using this drug, what is that? And I'm like, Claire? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a big help because there's a big crossover in those two worlds. Hmm. There is very few people that we see that are not somehow involved in other agencies, whether it's social services, whether it's CAMS, or whether it is just your GP or your specialist prescribing. There's always some kind of crossover with other people. So the more we can kind of enmesh ourselves in that, the better. Mm. Yeah. Uh, So what made you kind of, let's go back. Let's talk a little bit more about kind of moving from all the time yeah pharmacist to what kind of was the road to it was accidental and you know it was accidental I read a book called the chimp paradox which is one of my very favorite books and I remember having read this and thinking oh that's really interesting bumping into you shortly after and having this conversation about this really cool book that I've read and you very stealthily going well if you enjoyed that you should really come and train as a hypnotherapist (laughs) and so it began so I did it as a kind of intellectual thing I wanted to learn I like learning I've always have done and finding out how that worked I thought might be interesting with the idea being that I might use it with my pharmacy clients particularly my drug misuse ones but then as you know and as listeners will know if they've done it then there is so many things that you have to do as part of that CPHT course in terms of getting your own clients and your portfolio and doing practice work that I was absolutely enthralled in how big a difference it was making so, yeah this is really good it's enjoyable it's fun and people are getting better mm. as a result of my slightly bumbly studenty work so yeah let's do more of this and so gradually started doing more hypnotherapy less pharmacy because at the time I was doing stupid hours I was only working 10 till 2 which is an annoying hours and they wanted to work with people doing my hypnotherapy I had to kind of compress that into fewer days so Mm. eventually I decided to locum to leave my full-time pharmacy employment and do a locum work which meant I got to pick and choose my days so I could Mm. work it around my hypnotherapy a bit more yeah yeah I think that was a big that was kind of a big change wasn't it when you did that that, was a big scary change yeah and it totally changed your practice as well I remember Yes, it made me be properly focused on it because you always had, or I always had, pharmacy as a backup plan. So I didn't have to try too hard with the hypnotherapy because I could be a pharmacist. But when you switch it round the way and go, okay, I'm going to be a hypnotherapist, the pharmacy bit got smaller and smaller. And it made me really think about who I wanted to work with and how. Mm. And that was really nice. Yeah. So what was the thought process that kind of led up to that? 
wanting to make more of a difference because obviously as a, as a pharmacist you see the same people month in month out picking up their same prescriptions that's nice you get to see them you have a little bit of a relationship with them but also why they weren't getting any better they were still coming to see me and surely if these things were going to work properly they shouldn't they should stop seeing me after a while they shouldn't need to be on this medication for years and years and years Mm. so I was starting to see that in my hypnotherapy practice that people who were once taking antidepressants had got to the point where they wanted to come off them or they were changing their dose of their pain medication or they were able to kind of not have so many blood pressure meds there was a real physical change in how they operated and they were much less dependent on medication they were back in control again that I think was a big thing really nice to see that yeah wow yeah, it's, I, I never get bored of that one. Um, so um, why do you keep a little bit of the pharmacy in? Oh, it's a good question, isn't it? Partly because I worked blooming hard to get it. Mm. And so it makes sense to keep doing it. But also because it gives me the chance to kind of be loud and proud about hypnotherapy. And I'm very lucky that the guy that I work for is um, also very keen on the hypnotherapy and can see the benefits that it brings. And he is more than happy for me to kind of wave my hypnotherapy flag and go, it's lovely that you're taking these medications, but have you thought about doing some hypnotherapy and bridging the gap between medical stuff, all drugs, and what was always seen as weird voodoo, alternative, mystical stuff. And I think when you see people standing there in the middle of that gap and going, it's not weird, it's not voodoo, it's science, let me tell you how it's science, that's a really nice opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Do you think he's unusual? Um, that I think thing? so. But I'm starting to see more of it because I was a bit sneaky and I kind of stole his dispenser as well. And we trained her, what you did, in Kent. So he was quite happy to for me to take Lauren and train with her so that she is now also a hypnotherapist. And so there is more of a crossover and I want there to be more of a crossover. Sanu is very good in that he likes doing other stuff as well as pharmacy because he can see how that knowledge is able to be applied in lots of different places. So it would be nice to see more pharmacists, more doctors, more mental health specialists embracing what we do. Mm. But we might have to shout a bit harder. Yeah. I mean, it it can be frustrating, can't it, when you know that from 1955, um, you, doctor, could recommend somebody to have, um, you know, a course of hypnotherapy. It was Mm. through the, was it through the British Medical Council or is it something else? It was through that at one point, and there were a selection of people who were trained in that. But now there's a lot of us, isn't there? Freelance, solo Mm. hypnotherapists flying the flag for what we can do. And it would be really nice to think that rather than being in the shadows, being alternative, we can be part of mainstream in a very complementary way, working alongside doctors, dentists, nurses, mental mm. health practitioners, because what we do genuinely has the capacity to put people back in charge of their health, back in charge of their physical and their mental health Yeah, in a way that works. Mm. Yeah, because we've trained all sorts of people, haven't we? So oh, yeah. we've trained, what, uh, counselling, he's a psychologist. Um, yes, we've had a couple of dentists, we had a GP, we've had yeah, surgeons, lots of different people, surgeons. Mental health nurses other nurses 
midwives. Yeah, all sorts of people who who are recognizing there is a gap, and I keep the, the mind the gap. British Rail thing is in my head yeah. the whole time I say that that there is a gap between the mainstream train of the medical establishment and us and it's if we can kind of reach across that gap and go medicines are great they're life-saving they're very good but there's also us and we kind of can be that middle ground where we're helping people move away from medication reliance and into being independent managing themselves yeah which is a lovely thing yeah, because I was re- I was listening to oh, it's probably a podcast or a book I can't remember now around the fact that even when the medications were originally you know like the um, anti anxiety and kind of depression support medications they were never originally designed as a standalone treatment no. they were always supposed to be alongside alongside a some kind therapy. of psychotherapy yes. Yeah. And- and I think that's been shown time and time again. There's a lot of controversy around using antidepressants. There's been a lot of things that say that they don't work that much better than placebo. And while that sounds like a very negative statement, I think it's a really powerful thing because it means there is a little bit of room for maneuver where people's own psyche can step into that gap and work. That mm. if you, you don't just have to go with medication, if you can work just as efficiently at thinking about your own health yourself to be in that gap that medication doesn't always fix Mm. learning new habits so that you don't repeat the same mistakes next time yeah and that was always what I remember you saying it's like you know medicine's great up to a point but hypnotherapy tends to reach the parts that the medicine was never going to be able to access so you're going to need almost like if you're going to go that direction you almost it's a require you should have both if you want to progress well, the recommendation is that antidepressants are not long term. I mean, you and I both know people are on them for 20 years, which is mm. not how it's meant to be. They're meant to be short term. And I think one of the things I describe them as is being like training wheels, isn't it? Mm. So that they help you keep your balance while you learn to pedal. And then once you're really good at pedaling, you don't need training wheels. You can keep going in the direction you want to go in. Mm. You might wobble occasionally, but you're not going to fall off because you've got your balance. Your training wheels got you started and now you can do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really because it sounds much more hopeful than this is what we've got for you. Sorry, bye. Doesn't it? You know, it's like oh, there's 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 stuff I can do as well. Um, yes. Yeah. And I think giving people that sense of control, of independence, of agency in their own healthcare is really powerful because no one likes feeling like they're out of control or they have no power. Mm. If you're able to make your own decisions about your own healthcare, that's much more empowering than being told, take this and go away. And that's what I was starting to see in pharmacy that was a bit disillusioning, really. Mm. Yeah. So... Talking about how you, let's talk about how you ended up as what I like to refer to as the teenage whisperer. <laughs> yes, utterly accidentally. I decided that I was really enjoying, well, I, I, because my son has additional needs, he has, he's autistic and has ADHD. I was quite familiar with those kind of challenges. So I imagine it was something around how I spoke to parents that came looking for that kind of assistance or how I engage with teens themselves. But you start working with one or two, their parents and go, oh, we spoke to Claire. She was she was quite good with grunty teenagers. And so I got more and more of them. And then when you realise quite how many neurodiverse people are out there and how much easier you can make life when you have a plan to deal with it, mm. to feel 
confident in yourself. There's a really nice meme I saw recently that was, it's just really nice finding out that actually you're a zebra, not a rubbish horse. And so being a zebra and finding pride in being a zebra and finding other little zebras to hang with and just to take inspiration from rather than trying to fit in and be a horse and not really feel part of that. And I think that's the nice feeling around helping people, kids, teens who are neurodiverse, Mm. get comfortable with their stripes being a zebra. Yeah, I know it was. I saw it. I was just like, yes. And I sent it to a couple of friends and she's somebody who's just going through diagnosis and she's our age. And she went, that is it. Honestly, she goes, I have spent my whole life thinking I'm a rubbish horse. Yes, and that's really different. There's another one as well. There was something about, you know, being undiagnosed neurodivergent is like playing a video game, but you don't know why it's so hard until someone says to you, well, you're playing it on difficult mode because you're just doing it with a different skill set. Yeah. It's all sorts of ways to think about it, and it's being different rather than being wrong. And I think that's the kind of gift that I try and give back to people. Yeah. But you're fine as you are. There's nothing wrong with you. But if you want to make life easier for yourself, then try thinking about that differently. Mm. So, yeah. yes, teenagers are fun. I like working with teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Also, Claire gets to work with teenagers because I used to offload all my children and teenagers to Claire. <laughs> yes. Really... Challenge accepted. They're fun. Yeah. They're really yeah. fun. I know. I don't understand this concept personally, but um, I was really glad to have somebody I knew and trusted who who did. And it, what was lovely was that it was such an always such a nice introduction as well, because I'd always go back to them and say, I don't, but I know the literal best person for you and she will look after you and your child. Because, of course, as a parent, it's really hard, isn't it? Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, wanting to put your child with somebody and know that they're, they're struggling but you can't fix it that's really tough mm. yeah but it's nice for teenagers to have a voice themselves and to be seen as somebody in their own right like a little miniature person because they are mm. and go this is what i'm going to do and i need to think about this and i want to do that and i need to have this it's really nice yeah so i think <laughs> I think we should talk about the fact that you you are not the most... Uh, do the, okay, I'll start that sentence again with actual words this time. Um, so, you, I'm not lying when I say, Claire, you're not really... You never really cared about business, did you? You just no. love doing therapy. So yes. if you could have got away without doing the businessy bit, you probably would, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And this is this is the big, it's not a handicap, I don't want to call it that, but when you come from an environment that is so structured that everybody knows what you do as a pharmacist, you never have to advertise. People know what you do and where to find you. You are just part of the fabric of society. So that's fine. I didn't have to advertise that. I didn't have to tell people what I did. Everyone knew. But then when you reinvent yourself as a hypnotherapist, you're like, ooh, People don't know that I do this. I'm going to have to tell people that I do this and I'm going to have to find out a way to make money at this. And part of that is about running a business. And I didn't know how to do that. Mm. So that was a big that was the biggest challenge, reinventing myself as somebody who had to run a business. And that's been the biggest bit. The therapy I love, I love every moment of that, but it's the businessy stuff that was a bit of a learning curve, not Mm. gonna lie. Yeah. So go back to kind of early days, you know, tell us more about kind of that, that what kind of things came up for you, what kind of things you did, what you struggled with. 
Um, one of the things that I was terrified of initially was going networking mm-hmm. because I would have to sell me and go, I'm really good at this, and that just felt really icky. But then when you find a nice networking group that feels good, and I know you did that really nice episode talking about networking and how important that is, and you find the right group that fits, mm. then you realise that actually networking is just making connections. That I can do. So when you talk to people about what you do and you love what you do, that comes across. And so I think that was a big barrier once I stopped getting in my own way about that and just talking about things that I liked doing and the science and stuff that made it easier to think about networking as connecting rather than businessing so yeah. that was a big thing and then the other thing was just the actual business stuff itself I've sacked a load of that off and got a bookkeeper frankly yeah there you go because I didn't like doing it I know some people love spreadsheets and love finances and accounting I am not that person. So when you find other people who can do that work for you, that was lovely. Mm. So thanks, Cassie. So, yeah, finding a bookkeeper that was really helpful. Being part of Inspired to Change was a big help because they did my social media stuff. They did the basics of putting me front and centre and making me look like I had a nice, practical, grown-up business. And that left me free to personalise it with the geeky, nerdy, sciencey stuff that made me feel interested yeah so then I could get a little bit of my personality out there as well without having to do all of it because that would have felt intimidating Mm. what did you end up finding you actually enjoyed about the business of doing business um writing blogs and stuff like that I enjoyed explaining things to people so that made it easy to get that part out there but I also liked I mean, I liked earning money. Let's not be let's not be round the bush. That was, that was really nice. Actually yeah. earning good money at doing something I liked. What a bonus. Um, so yeah, that and I like talking to people. I decided that actually I liked presenting stuff, doing 10-minute presentations, which would have made me hurl with anxiety. <laughs> actually, I really enjoyed because it was ending up being talking about what I do and about explaining things. Hence the kind of move sideways into lecturing made that easier as well. Because you're just talking to people about what you do. You're teaching them a little bit about the mechanics of it, understanding it. Yeah. So if somebody's not kind of they're thinking, oh, I should kind of start getting into blogging, how do I what do I think about? How do I how do you start getting into something like that? I just wrote about stuff that interested me. I don't even know. I think my very first blog was about the transition from being a pharmacist to a hypnotherapist and why they're not as widely separated as they first appear. Mm. So writing about how you made that decision to go into hypnotherapy is bound to be an interesting one. It has to be because if you're going to give up one career for another, there's got to be a big driver, and that's fascinating. People like to hear about that. But then just writing the kind of stuff that I would want to read. I don't enjoy doing videos as much. I prefer writing. Mm. So I think picking a medium that suits you, if you love doing videos and you're quite spontaneous and can talk, fantastic, do that. But I prefer to have things quite methodically laid out and written so I can go back over it and kind of go, no, that needs to be tweaked a bit. Mm. So I enjoy that. But just writing about something you know that you feel is interesting or asking somebody else what they would want to hear about, that would be good. 
Yes, because there's always that, you know, there's the stuff that we think is fascinating and then it's like, and yet our clients couldn't give two hoots about it. So it's that bit where we've got to get a little bit of both in there, haven't we? Definitely. So and I saw your post the other day about awareness days. They're often a good launch platform because there'll be something around that that ties in with what we do that's interesting. Yeah. So I did one about Valentine's Day recently talking about the chemistry about falling in love. That was quite fun. That is. That is a good one. Yeah. And there's always, even if it is just a completely silly one as well like some yes. of the random awareness days I can't think of them right now but um yeah there's some pretty wild and wacky ones aren't there or even just something you've done so going somewhere and enjoying something and then telling people I enjoyed this and I enjoyed this because it made my brain feel like this yeah. if you want your brain to feel like this you have to do more of that so there are ways to kind of link what we do to all sorts of stuff mm depending yeah. on what it is that lights you up. Yeah. I like all the science, but maybe one is different. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that it's, again, it's that thing. It's like people often, you know, social media, it feels like this big kind of, this big out there other thing. Um, mm. Whereas actually when you start, you know, if you start to consume it and see, like, these are the things I like, these are the type of people I like, yeah. these are the type of posts, and you start to get a sense of, oh, wow, so I, c I could do this. This is something I could do. I think it's really important to be to be a consumer in that space. If you're going to be kind of putting stuff out there in it, mm. you need to know what the vibe is. Yes, and I think mm. it has to be something you genuinely like because otherwise that comes across that, something that I'm doing this because I feel I have to that some that sort of hesitancy comes across I think it has to be something you genuinely love or that yeah. intrigues or excites you for some reason yeah yeah because I think that gets you over a lot of the the reticence about doing it and being in that yeah space. exactly like, oh, that. what if I get it wrong <laughs> yeah and just trying it because People may not like. I've done lots of my, lots of my Facebook lives, and sometimes you feel like you're just talking into the void, but when I've done a live and I've written what I want to say beforehand because I'm not that spontaneous, people will come back to it later on. So knowing that you put it out there and people will consume it in their own time takes mm. the pressure off as well. It doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be good enough that people go, oh, what's she talking about? That might be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, what do you love about doing what you do? What do I love? I love the science stuff. I love explaining the nuts and bolts of how we work. And I love that there is no smoke and mirrors. Hypnosis was always thought to be this kind of weird alternative thing, but there is actually no smoke and mirrors. I can tell you what's happening in your head when you're doing something. And I really like the simplicity of that, that there is, I don't have to be secretive. I don't have to go, well, it's just this and make up some big. Claire's waving her hands, by the way. Yes, big waving my hands. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, there is nothing of that. I can be honest and go, yeah, that's because this is happening. And I like mm. the simplicity of that. I think that's really nice. But I also like the fact that people come and see us and they're lost or they're a bit sad or they're scared or they're nervous and they've been brave enough to come and see one mm. of us. And they leave feeling just a little bit more excited, a little bit more hopeful. Like I saw a lady this morning for the very first time. Um, 
And she'd already spoken to her friends about our initial consultation last week. And she's been telling people about stress buckets and going, well, this is what's happening. I'm putting it in my bucket. And so it had been a really nice thing for her to recognize what Mm. she was doing and learn how to stop doing it already. And that's just it's it works quickly and people start to pick up the pace and feel really good about themselves. Mm. Yeah. It's nice to know that you're making a difference. It's why I went into pharmacy, because I thought I could make a difference to people and people would leave me feeling a little bit better. Yeah. And that's like that feeling, but on steroids. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it it is pretty cool, isn't it? Um, It's amazing. Yeah. I remember a psychologist who was on one of the the courses in I think it was Birmingham and she said what she loved the most about it was she normally saw people for a bit of something but she never got to see the whole story no that's true and so what she loved was seeing somebody from the beginning being with them all the way through and then actually waving them goodbye as they're you know almost like they're before and after pictures yes that's a lovely way to think about it because that is how it goes and it's what I was missing when I did pharmacy because I kept seeing the same people and they weren't any better they weren't any different they were just coming back time and time again and they kept going they kept trying they weren't because they weren't making an effort it just wasn't making enough of a difference Mm. whereas yeah now we have a before and after that's a nice way yeah I like that yeah so you also do some um I don't know if you do it as much now, but you always used to do quite a lot of talks for um, a football club as well. Yes, I did that a couple of weeks ago. That was really fun. They are, um, they're not Premier League. They're one of the smaller clubs, but they have a fairly big training academy where they take youngsters from nine all the way through to 16. And they have a separate academy for 16 to 18. And I work with the nine to 16 year olds at the request of their development manager who can see that what we do with its capacity to make people feel more positive and more resilient is something that's really key to youngsters in a football sport Mm. because it's high pressure. They're there because they want to be footballers, but not all of them will be. So Mm. there's a little bit of pressure, a little bit of disappointment sometimes, but giving them the understanding of how they can make that work for them in terms of how their brain impacts their body, that's amazing, but also giving them a sense of how they can keep themselves resilient and mentally fit is really important. And then I also talk to them about sleep and how important that is. So I do quite I do a wide variety of workshop talks to them about mm. different subjects. Yeah, because it's right across the board. It's all it's stuff around improving um their performance but also around other stuff yeah so there's a lot of things that you can do with that so it's about helping them be the best they can do from a mechanical level so being sleep being so key to their physical function but also learning what they're in charge of and even as nine-year-old they know how they can mm-hmm. i can learn how your brain works and how you can have an impact on that by doing something you love we all know exercise is important so they've got a head start on that but it's putting other factors in like positivity or thinking about things from a different perspective that really supports that and that's really lovely to go in and do that Mm. so talk to me about the highs and lows along the way what can people expect if they're just in or what can what can we kind of go yeah I feel seen (laughs) 
Um, I think the thing that I found hard at the beginning was, you know, you want to be a hypnotherapist. You know, you're good at being a hypnotherapist because you've come from a really good training school that's taught you to a really gold standard level. We know that. And then you have to start asking people for money. And that's a little bit. And making sure. Why is it? Because lots of people say that. Yeah, there is that. And I think it's the. I think it's because all of us come into it from a helping and a caring perspective. And so we're all keen to do that and to support people. But it's making sure that we look after ourselves as well. So having the confidence to know that you're worth what you charge. I think that's something that takes a little bit to learn. Mm. So being pushed into charging before you finish your course is a big key thing for me. If I hadn't had to do that, I probably wouldn't have done. So it's Mm. being made to think about money and being able to be confident in that. That's part. The other thing that I found hard is lovely working with people, but we're really good at making them better. And so they don't stay with us very long. And then you have to find new people. (laughs) So it was just... It was just holding your nerve and knowing that if you keep talking about what you do and you talk about it in different places on different platforms, that people will keep coming. It might take a little while to build that reputation, but if you get good about talking what you do and you ask your clients to talk about what you do, then you will generate a nice stream of potential clients that keep coming to you. Mm. But it takes a little while to get that rolling effectively. I think it's so sad when we see people giving up. So that's why I love the fact that you're doing this podcast and kind of giving them that little bit of a kick that they need to keep going. Yeah, because sometimes it's that whole thing is that if they just kept going that little bit longer. Yes, just holding your nerve a little bit longer. But it's okay. You finished with four this week. Four more will come. It's okay. Keep going. Keep talking about what you're doing. Keep being passionate about it because that's what draws people to you. Mm. Particularly if it's an arena that you really like, like me and my teenagers. Teenagers, the world over, are thought of as being grumpy and uncommunicative, but they're not. They're hilarious and funny a lot of the time. It's just finding that little spark that lights up what they're good at and what they talk about. So if you find something that lights you up and you talk about it in the same way, people will go, yeah, she's the one I need to help. Mm. Yeah, I think it is. It's like, it is that people it has to be attraction doesn't it because yes. you can't go you can't go and flog hypnotherapy it's not it's not one of those things you can persuade people to do because no and it's not as transactional as for example being an accountant or being an electrician because it's more about a personal connection to that person it isn't just a transactional thing that anyone could do that alliance between you and your client is really important so it has to be right that works for us as well because there's lots of people that are hypnotherapists and I won't appeal to some of them some of those clients but others will so it's finding one that works for you and kind of sticking to that I think Mm. yeah because way of talking about it yeah yeah because we used to literally go to the same networking meeting yes um and we still had very you know we had very different client bases we could be supportive of one another um it really worked for us didn't it in fact and it's the same now the network that I go to now has four people that use hypnotherapy five if you include the guy who does it, it's a stage show so there are five people using hypnosis in one form or another but we all appeal to different markets I don't go on stage and do tricks Ashley doesn't work with clients it's a very different thing and there are other hypnotherapists who specialize in different areas so finding what you're good at 
and being good at it, despite what anybody else is doing, just keep going your way. You'll get amazing if you just keep being you and that's that's that holds that takes a little bit of confidence too it does doesn't it that because you often think that's the whole thing around particularly networking where they say oh we only allow one of a certain type it's like yeah "Yeah, but that's not the only place people can find you you know they can go on google they can look at your reviews they can you know ask their mates so it's like there's never just going to be you but there is only you. And in it's because of that one-to-one connection, I think that was so brilliant, us being in the room, because it was like we'd, we'd kind of made this kind of unspoken pact. It's like, well, if one doesn't, one of us doesn't get the you, the other one will. The other one will. And that's yeah. really nice. Yeah. I don't really understand when there's too much competition or too territorial between different therapists because we work in different ways. There's counsellors at my at my network. There are psychotherapists who do different jobs, but mm. we'll all appeal to different people. So just have the confidence to be you and keep being you brilliantly. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. So um, I'm getting all my like nice therapist guests to complete the sentence if you only do one thing with your hypnotherapy business oh the first thing that comes to mind is educate and I think that's because giving people the information about how their brain works educates them to do better in the future they understand what they need to function properly Mm. There's a helicopter going over, sorry. Um, They understand what they need to feel good about themselves so that when they are having a wobble, they know they can come back to those basic principles and they can stay well. So that, I think, is that educating people around how to look after themselves and be at their best in a mental way that allows them to be really good in every other way. Yeah. And so when you do that in your, you know, as a hypnotherapist, how do you think that supports the business side of it because without sounding cocky it makes me an expert in what I do that's what I know how to talk about and I talk about that all the time so that's it that is that thing that we educate people on how to look after themselves and when people listen to that they go okay if you know that bit what else can you teach me can you help me with this or can you help me with that or can you help my sister, my cousin, my nephew? You end up creating a bigger network of people that know about what you do and how you do it so that everybody gets to feel supported somehow, somewhere. Even if you teach. So if I work with a parent, I educate them on how to make themselves feel good. They will naturally pass that on to their partner and their children. And if you work with a child, they'll pass it on to their friends and their teachers. So that educating has a ripple effect. Yeah, definitely. It was always that I, I think it's one of the, the lovely things is like we work with one person, but who knows where those ripples and how long they'll keep rippling out for. Yeah, I have people come that I haven't spoken to in years and they bumped into me at something somewhere and I was talking about brain stuff, geekily. And they go, yeah, you talked about this. And I thought that was really cool. So here I am. Can we do some work with it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, we can. Um, yeah, one of my favourite things is getting, you get one member of the family and then the rest of them kind of like come through the door and you're like, that's so cute. We've helped a whole family. And then you get the cousins and the all sorts. Yeah. It's just, it's so nice, isn't it? 
It's lovely, but I think one of the nicest things is when you hear your clients, particularly my mini ones, saying to other people, well, my Claire says about having your bucket, and if your bucket's too full, you can't do this. And I had one of my little clients telling her teacher about her bucket. You need to go and see my Claire because your bucket's really full. So I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for that one. But I love that she had enough understanding, enough confidence to go, well, I'm fine. It's your problem. (laughs) which is actually really lovely that is bold (laughs) yeah yeah it's great though so yes that level of ability of her understanding how we function and how to keep yourself functioning well that's the biggest gift and you give that to people in in the very first session so it doesn't necessarily be one that you last on working with people but it's one that you can just pass on and keep going amazing love that love that that little client sounds awesome too oh she Um, is very very (laughs) awesome (laughs) what yeah so so talk to me about a little bit more i know we we talk about kind of the teenagers but what is it that you really get from working with those age groups that is different not that you don't love working with adults but what is different about i love their creativity the way they think about things and the way i get to be playful in how i work with them so Solution-focused hypnotherapy has a nice structure to it. There's a nice pattern to how we work. We talk about things that have been good. We talk about how that impacts your brain. And then we have a little challenge bit where we aim to build a vision of the future. And then we have a nice chill-out bit. So it's the same structure for the teenagers. But I find that I need to be a little bit more creative in how we explain that. So I had one little girl recently who didn't really want to think about the stuff that was scaring her a dentist's x-ray so Mm. we just talked about horse riding that was her hobby and I said well now when you go horse riding your horse is much bigger than you you're a little person you're nine and your horse is way bigger than you how do you get the horse to do what you want and we talked about how important she has to be in control and be calm so that her horse would do what she wanted it to do and then we could kind of walk that sideways into this is what your intelligent brain is showing you how to do so that your emotional brain, your primitive brain needs to feel safe. And you can do that by acting in these ways. So using their hobbies, using their things that they really love Mm. as an example that gets them thinking about how they can cheat and how they can get their brain to work differently. Mm. So it might be something like that or using their hobbies. I talk a lot about stuff like Marvel or dogs you know I have an idiot dog as you said at the beginning is that just barks like a lunatic every time someone comes it's the same as when people get really stressed but they don't you know why like Rosie what doesn't we know why she's barking she just knows she has to tell someone that someone's here so it's thinking about how you can make your brain do that well done here's some serotonin there's a good brain now go sit in the corner and behave while I do something else it's a little bit like learning to manage your brain but thinking about different metaphors and different analogies to get that across yeah that's what I think is fun and I've got all my toys you can't really see them here but I've got you know, Brian the brain cell and um, all other bits and pieces nice everyone should have a Brian the brain cell <laughs> oh he's bad <laughs> it's funny enough I have a whole Brian the brain behind yes me, so Ta-da, we have this and then, one yes and, then and we have my, little, my anxiety monster that you gave me oh I love the anxiety monster it's very cute and my buzzer Oh, Claire has a great story about buzzers. It's like the talk of talk of the schools when Claire talks about buzzers. So I think, are we okay to share that story here? Absolutely. I have my buzzer. It's actually um, a Britain's Got Talent buzzer. And 
part of solution focused available. <laughs> I guess exactly. And part of solution focused hypnotherapy is about using positive language all the time so that your brain gets to hear you speaking more positively and gets engaged in that kind of positive language. So after a while, once they know the rules, I hit the buzzer when I get I don't know or something negative. And they soon learn not to use the negative language and to phrase it in a very different way because it's a horrible noise when the buzzer goes off. <laughs> so a little bit of me really wants to hear it, but let's not. <laughs> let's not scare people. So yeah, it's 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 training people in a very playful way to think about the language that they use. And if yeah. I have to make the point by being a bit mean, then yeah, I am. Well, it's just it's it's just making the point. It's almost like by being silly. It's not. Yes. It's not even. And me. being silly and playful is a lovely yeah. way to be able to manage somebody's therapy. It's it makes it a lot more memorable. We remember the things that are emotionally intense. So either the things that are really negative, we remember those. We don't want yeah. to, but we can. Or the things that are really fun and really enjoyable. So let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So what's what's the future hold? What's the future hold? Um, more of the same, I think. I like what I do. I love what I do, actually. And so it's being able to carry on creating more ripples. But I also like the idea of working with maybe some bigger groups of teenagers. So maybe some different football clubs or some different sporting places where you can make a difference there. Potentially schools, having a bit of an impact in schools and just keeping up the geekery more neuroscience for me so that I can share that nuts and bolts about how we function with everyone else yeah cool fabulous well Claire it's been lovely it's always good to chat to you mate um but it's been really really good to have you on here and thank you I really really appreciate you because I know that there will be a lot of people who kind of come from the same kind of headspace and environment yeah, I think so, there will be more and more yeah. of us coming across the mainstream, coming to the dark side. Yeah, no, it's the light. No, with the it's light. coming to the sparkly side. <laughs> yeah. That's how it's yeah, coming to the sparkly side. Coming to the sparkly side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> much more positive. Yeah. All right, lovely. Well, thank you very much, and I will speak to you soon. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Remember to check out the Facebook community through the link in the show notes and be sure to rate, review and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to follow, rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine. And be a great friend and share it with your hypnotherapy friends and colleagues. There are enough clients to go around, so let's build everyone up. I'll see you next time on Creative Thriving Hypnotherapy Business Podcast and let's go change the world. <laughs>